Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Mercy and His grace. Uh, thank God for our children's church. We're going to take good care of our kids this morning and teach them a valuable lesson that uh, will help them. Amen. Let's turn together this morning, Exodus chapter 15. How many grateful for our children's church ministry this morning? Next generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Exodus chapter 15. If you'll join me this morning in the word of God. So there is in the world today a spirit of panic breaking out. And uh, I believe that it was timely that the Lord spoke to me to deal um, in these sermon series on the Sunday night sermon series, Sunday night sermon series, that's a lot of S's. Uh, I, I believe it's providential that God um, spoke to me about that and encouraged me to preach in that direction because last Sunday night, if you would have listened to that sermon last Sunday night, you would have already been prepared for what's been happening in the last week. Because what I preached about on Sunday night, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. I'm not going to re-preach it this morning. But it, is, uh, it was the, the, the spirit of the Hittites, which were an enemy of the people of God. And it's interesting that the name Hittite, in the original language, it literally means panic or terror. And this is one of the enemies we are all going to fight in our pursuit of God and His will. In our pursuit into the promised land that God has for each and every one of us, one of the giants you're going to face in the land is the giant of panic, terror, fear. The kind of fear that turned the people uh, away from the promised land and caused them to wander for 40 years. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it has begun to ramp up in the the previous week the reports of coronavirus spreading from city to city and nation to nation. The media loves it, man. The media loves to whip this into a frenzy. Uh, we've gotten reports in the last week that are new cases in the United States. Um, and, uh, and we've seen that even the stock markets uh, are, are reacting to this panic, to this fear that the economy is taking a hit, that uh, I've heard about schools that are closing, I've heard about uh, events that are being canceled, and, and I, I don't want to stand up here this morning and say that there is no threat. I'm not here to uh, tell you that to ignore the warnings, but I am telling you this morning that there is a spirit of panic breaking out that I believe is unwarranted. Did you know that of the, the cases that have been 
reported in the United States, I believe so far, only two deaths. Only one death that I've heard about. And in the United States, only one death. I think the the number of those infected is still less than 25. So it's a very, very small percentage. In comparison to that, the flu, you know, the normal flu that you get uh, from time to time, the people, we have probably people out this morning who have the normal flu. That flu is already responsible for the deaths of 18,000 people in the United States this season. So just in the last few months. If you're going to be afraid about something, you should really be afraid about the flu, not the coronavirus, because it's far more uh, influential and is far more pervasive, at least at this point. But thinking about these things, thinking about uh, a virus that is able to spread, especially a scary new virus, that is coming from China and we don't know about it and it's causing fear and people are rush, rushing to the store to get uh, kits and, and the, the 3M, which produces the, the masks that people wear, well, they can't make enough masks and, and the government and people are saying, Donald Trump, it's your fault. And, and it's over, it's throughout every news report you see is another report on why you should be scared. It brings up to me as I'm thinking about this and watching this take place in the last week, it's a very interesting point. We are, right now, in our culture, we are so hyper-focused on increasing our immunity against viruses, right? What can I do? Make sure you wash your hands. We've got our uh, antibacterial uh, hand uh, sanitizer back there. We, we are making sure, you know, we're, we're, we're watching who we talk to and where we go and uh, make sure you bring a, a can of Lysol wherever you go and spraying people down. And we are so hyper-focused on trying to remain germ-free. But I want to remind you this morning that the danger that we face, at least at this moment, is not coronavirus. The danger that we are facing is not even the flu, the normal one that goes around every year. But even more dangerous to every person here this morning is spiritual viruses. And yes, they are at work every day. And so I want to preach a message this morning, spiritual immunity. Spiritual immunity, because I believe There are some spiritual viruses that we can get infected with that are far more consequential and far more dangerous and can do far more damage to our lives in the long run than coronavirus ever could. So Exodus 15, 26, I want you to join with me. One verse here that I want to read to you that if you embrace this, it'll set you free today. Exodus 15, 26. Here's the Lord speaking. If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and you will do that which is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments and keep all His his statutes, then I will put none of these diseases upon you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha, 
the Lord who heals you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for your spirit in your life. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise for the work that you're doing. I thank you for the service today. God, that our ears would be open to hear your voice. And God, that you would be able to speak to your people with clarity in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. Spiritual immunity. How many know this morning that your immunity is critical? If we are talking about your physical immunity, some people uh, are more, more uh, immune to sicknesses and disease than others. Uh, but one of the things that we have discovered in our modern era of modern medicine is that we can improve your immunity to certain diseases. So I, the, the day that a baby is born, immediately we are putting vaccines and we're putting uh, uh, injections into those babies that are born first day at the hospital. And the reason is because we have discovered that we can cause those babies to be immune against diseases that used to kill a whole lot of babies, right? And by vaccinating our kids and by getting a flu shot and by doing the basic things that we do, we can help our immune system. So just yesterday, uh, Amanda was over at our house and she was feeling sick. And so uh, we were being wary. We we're making sure that all of us were washing our hands well. I went to Walmart yesterday and I got the little bottle of the airborne vitamin C tablets. You know what I'm saying? And because in our minds, you know, we were she was kind of around our family, so we just want to be sure we're doing all that we can to increase our immunity. We want to be able to, even if the virus uh, uh, is in our presence, your body has the ability in the right conditions to be immune to dangerous things. That's a good thing to pray for. God, help my body to be immune against diseases, right? That even in the present, and what a terrible thing it is if your body begins to lose its immunity, its ability to fight against viruses, against the common cold, flu, various things. In fact, this is the, this is the autoimmune disorder. It's known as AIDS. When people contract HIV AIDS, they're not actually dying of AIDS. They are dying from the common cold. They're dying from the normal flu that everybody gets. The problem is their immune system is not able to fight against the virus. And so we, yes, we ought to pray, God, help me to be immune. But we should do more than just pray, right? We should do what Ramon's doing over there, take a bath in hand sanitizer. We should wash our hands regularly. Yes, we should be aware if we see somebody with the sniffles or if we see somebody coughing. Uh, you know, don't become a hermit crab and stay in your house. But, you know, take necessary precautions for your immunity. That's a good thing to do. But can I tell you something? You can be a germaphobe. You can wash your hands five times a day. You can do all of those things to keep your body healthy and still get infected with a spiritual virus. And I've seen people who are perfectly healthy. I've seen people who can repel the common cold, repel the flu, and yet get infected with a spirit of bitterness. And it does far more harm 
than a common cold ever would. I want to look with you at some spiritual viruses that are a reality and may be infecting you this morning. First one I want to, uh, I want to take a look at is what I preached about on Sunday night. It is the spiritual virus of fear. I want to tell you, fear is a virus. Fear is something that infects you. Fear is not necessarily, uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the evolutionist and the, um, the materialist would say that, that fear is just something pre-programmed uh, as part of our evolution from animal to human being. That, uh, that we are programmed to be fearful because of the fight or flight reaction. We see this in the animal kingdom. If you feel danger, you just run. But I want to say to you this morning that the spirit of fear is far more than just, than just a natural inclination. That there is truly a spiritual virus that can infect God's people. It's the spirit of fear. I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm afraid of what, how the devil might attack me. I'm afraid. And listen, the, uh, I don't want to re-preach my sermon, but I do want to say that the spirit of fear, terror, and panic can paralyze God's people. It's a virus. It was this virus that stopped the people from going into the promised land. You remember that story. The ten spies, they went in and they saw how beautiful the promised land was. They came back carrying that cluster of grapes that was so big that two men had to carry it. That's a big cluster of grapes. Two men have to carry it, and they come back and say, wow, it is a beautiful land, but we're afraid. There's giants. There's walled cities. We look like grasshoppers to them. And that spirit of panic was more powerful than the faith of Caleb and Joshua. I have seen churches where there are a few people, where a pastor or, or, or somebody in the congregation if that person b- becomes infected with a spirit of fear, can I tell you, it spreads. Fear is contagious. There are accounts in the Bible where, where God is going to bring victory against certain enemies. For example, the Philistines or the Syrians. And God is able to, uh, to put a, a panic or a terror. And the Bible says it spreads quickly throughout the camp. It causes people to run to cower in fear. I want to tell you this morning, I want to remind you that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Don't let the spirit of fear infect you this morning. You ought to have an immunity against it. Secondly, false doctrine. This is another virus that that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 16. He spoke about what he called the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, don't let the language confuse you this morning. Leaven, which means the yeast. If you've ever made bread, you know that uh, when you, in the process of making bread, you have to put in the packet of active yeast. It's actually, uh, it's actually a little piece of bacteria. It's alive. And that bacteria, when you put it into the bread, uh, what happens is it begins to spread throughout the entire lump of dough, right? And that bacteria is what causes a chemical reaction that causes the bread to rise. Jesus uses 
the leaven, the yeast, as, a, as an illustration of what a virus can do. And Jesus says there is a virus that is infecting the Pharisees and he's warning his disciples to beware of that leaven. Beware of that yeast. Beware of that virus because it can infect you. What are we talking about? Look at Matthew 16, 11. How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? Jesus is saying, look, I'm not preaching to you about bread, but I'm preaching to you to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then the disciples got it. Verse 12. They understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine. The doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. The doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What was their doctrine? What was so dangerous? What was the leaven? What was the yeast? What was the virus that had infected the Pharisees? It was the doctrine that said human tradition is more important than God's will. They said, Jesus, you couldn't possibly be the Messiah because you're not who we think he was going to be. It was their personal belief system that they thought was bigger than the kingdom of God. And he says that doctrine, if you let it infect you, can be very dangerous. I've seen people pulled from the will of God because of false doctrines. You better know this book. You better know what it says and, and what it means. That's why we must be students of the word of God. False doctrine can pull someone out of God's will. Stay away. Steer clear. Put a mask on. False doctrine can cause rebellion. It's a virus. Another virus that the Bible speaks of is sexual sin. Proverbs 5, verse 3. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. Verse 8. So remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Speaking to the young man and the adulterous woman, he's saying, uh, this wise man is giving advice to a younger man, and he's saying, listen, this, this idea of sexual, sexual sin is like a virus that will infect you. We see it at work every single day in our culture. And it begins to infect more and more people at younger and younger ages. There are men who have been addicted to pornography from the time that they were 10 years old until they're 45, 55, 65. Listen, I, I don't want to go into details, but I work at a computer shop. People bring their computers in. And sometimes I see things on those computers that make me want to wear rubber gloves. It is nasty and filthy. We're not talking about some, somebody who stumbled across it, but we are talking about uh, old, dirty men who have been infected with a virus. It is putrefying. It is disgusting. And yet, we play with it anyways. We go near the door of our house. Paul said that this is a virus. That if you allow this virus to infect your soul, you can be sick for decades. There is no pain like the pain 
of sexual sin. The Bible says it is a violation of your own body. Other sins exist outside the body, but this sin is a sin that infects the inside of your soul. 1 Corinthians 5. Paul is admonishing the church in Corinth because they have allowed this virus to infect members of their congregation and they're not doing anything about it. It'd be like if somebody came up in here and, uh, and you know, they're, they're, there's snot pouring down their face. Their hands are all nasty. They didn't wash their hands for a week. And, uh, and th- th- they're coughing and sneezing. And, and, and you just let them come up to you. <laughs> and you don't do nothing? Hey, brother, maybe you should stay home from church today. Because, you know, we don't all want to get infected with that same nasty whatever you got. All right? I love for people to come to church. I want you to be in church, but not if you're all nasty. Please, stay home and don't infect the rest of us. If you get sick, you know what? It is better for you to stay home and not get a paycheck that day because you can infect everybody else around you, right? This is how a virus begins to spread. We think, oh, no, I got this. No problem. (coughs) Make everybody else sick. How selfish. And what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth is there's some dude who's sleeping with somebody he shouldn't be sleeping with. And he says, you're going to allow that to happen in your church, in your presence? You're just going to allow him to come and, and spew on everybody else his nasty funky spirit his virus is going to spread you know what he says deliver such a one to satan and he uses the same illustration that jesus did he says don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump a little bit of yeast just a tiny bit can spread through the rest of the congregation happens like that (laughs) a few months ago we went to a, a buffet. I'm not going to say which one it was. But we went to a Chinese buffet. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, my wife, who's very careful about her food, and uh, so we, we walked by one of the soup. There's egg drop soup. You know, they have those big, giant, like, 10-gallon bucket size egg drop soup. She walks by, and there's a fly. <laughs> Ten gallons, <laughs> and so so so. Of course, my wife says to the to the lady working there, uh, there, "There's a fly that just landed in your soup right there." I said, "Okay, no problem." And so she, <laughs> this this worker, she takes a ladle, she scoops the fly out, and takes it over here, dumps it out, and that's it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> So let me ask you, would you take a cup of that soup? One little fly, and nobody here, nobody, anybody want to take a, a, a cup of that soup? You would? No. You're brave. No. Or maybe stupid. <laughs> I wouldn't. You don't know how long that thing's been swimming around? Here's what I'm saying. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. How about, how about if a cockroach came swimming up to the surface? Would you be okay eating the soup? 
<laughs> Here's what I'm saying. If we allow that spirit of lust, perversion, sexual sin, if we don't judge it harshly, guess what? You'll be the next one involved. Purge the old leaven, Paul says, that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. What Paul is saying here is that Christ has made us clean. It's not right for us to allow the virus again. So let's look at increasing immunity. We all know what we should do, right, to be more immune against viruses. Hopefully you know what you need to do. You need to clean yourself, basic hygiene, right? You need to wash your hands. You need to be careful what you touch. We understand. In our modern world, we've figured out that there are invisible things that you can touch, and those things can infect you with viruses. So, in a season where there's viruses going around, you don't have to be, you know, hyper-sensitive and fearful and panicked. Just do what's normal. Wash your hands. We know those things so that we can be more immune against viruses. But... If it's true this morning that there are spiritual viruses, how do we increase our spiritual immunity? I believe that when we get saved this morning, that we become immune to certain things. When you are born again, God gives you a gift of certain immunity against such things. But I want to say to you this morning that that immunity is something that can fade. Over time, we become less immune. Did you know that you're getting older? As you age, your body becomes less immune against diseases. That's a, that's a reality of life. Let me also say this morning that as you become a, a more mature believer that it's possible you can begin to lose immunity against things that used to not be a problem to you. Used to be, maybe when you were a new convert, that you would never think about lying or cheating on your taxes or doing something that is obviously sinful. And yet, as we get older, hmm, we begin to defend certain things. And all of a sudden, we're not immune to the things that we used to be immune to. So what can we do to increase our immunity? It's the basic things that we need to do. Just like washing hands, it's the simplest thing, and yet it is the most effective way to be immune. Just wash your hands. What is, it, what is the simple things that we can do as believers to keep our immunity strong? Worship. This is not hard stuff. I'm not preaching advanced theology. It's worship. It means you're making a decision that I'm not going to worship things of the world. God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to make sure that my heart is aligned. Listen, when the songs are playing, we're not playing songs up here in the, in the church service to show off musical abilities. Do you know why we're singing songs in every church service? To give you the opportunity to worship. That's why I, I can't understand people who come to church and, uh, and look as though, you know, their, their grandmother is dying during the worship service. 
you've missed the greatest opportunity to increase your spiritual immunity. Worshiping God, man. Study the Word. Prayer. Being in church. You're all in church this morning, so I don't have to preach to you. But making a habit of not neglecting the assembly. Hebrews 10, 25. Do you know how we increase our immunity? We make sure that we are right with God with our finances. The Bible speaks about the devourer, Malachi, right? Malachi chapter 3, a spirit called the devourer. And when we fail to give tithe and offering, God, God says, I will not protect you from the devourer. That sounds like a virus, if I ever heard of one. The devourer, a spirit that comes and consumes when we are not under God's blessing. And so when we do give our tithe and our offering, God says, I'll protect you from the devouring spirit. This is why, beloved, this is why I continue to tithe, I continue to give offerings beside, because I have witnessed God protecting our finances from the devourer. I don't want to be, it's like being out in the rain without an umbrella. I don't want to miss out on God's protection. That's what the tithe does. How about witnessing to others? We have an outreach every Saturday when we witness to others. Contrary to popular belief, the main reason we go on outreach, well, yes, it is the main reason, to win souls. But it is wrong to assume that if we didn't win any souls on Saturday, that it was a failure. That's not correct. If, If we have witnessed to people... Not only have we spread the gospel, we planted a few seeds, that's a success, but also we have built up a spiritual immunity in ourselves. Witnessing to somebody is the healthiest. It's like popping vitamin C. Mm, That feels good. I know that I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to be better protected against the viruses of hell. When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? It's spiritual vitamins. It's a spiritual inoculation against sin. And if you're all funky and full of viruses this morning, could it be because you didn't witness to nobody in the last hundred years? Holiness. Holiness. The Word of God says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has light with darkness, or what accord has the temple of God with Belial? I read a quote that said, Your life can be defined by the average of your five best friends, or the five people you spend time with the most. Think about that for just a moment. I want you to think, take stock of the five people you spend the most time with in your life, and your life is a reflection of that average. If you spend time with the people of God, you know what? You'll be uplifted. If you spend time with idiots and sinners and wicked people who tell nasty jokes and pull you down, you'll be an average of their life. 
That's why the Bible says we must live clean, holy, and separated lives. It doesn't mean that we remove ourselves from culture. It doesn't mean that we quit our jobs and join a monastery. No, we are called to be in the world, but what? Not of the world. If your best friends are unbelievers, then your new birth is questionable. If you say that you're born again and you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend that doesn't believe in Jesus, something's wrong with that picture. You're playing at the edge of hellfire and you're chancing a virus. And you're saying, hey, no problem. Coronavirus, let me, let, me just, let me just see how close I can get to it. Hey, rub your face right here against me. They say, if you sleep with the dogs, you'll wake up with fleas. I didn't get any amens on that. What happened? <laughs> Exodus fifteen twenty six. Listen carefully. God says, here's your vitamin C. Here's your multivitamin daily dose of spiritual immunity if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. You know what that means? Listen to God. If you do that which is right in His sight, if you give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, then I will put none of these diseases upon you. You know what's amazing about that story in Exodus? Those ten plagues that God brought against the Egyptians. I love that story. In fact, when I was a new convert, I got fired for preaching that story from one of my jobs. It was an amazing story. But uh, I, I took advantage of the company email system. And I, I, I sent out a, a sermon. I typed up this like ten-page sermon and sent it out to like on blast 100,000 people that were connected. I probably shouldn't have done that. But you know what? Man, I was fired up. I said, you come and take me away. I'll take my box because I just got to preach to 100,000 people. That was pretty cool. I want to tell you something. That, that was my sermon that I sent out. It was, it was the idea that the plagues were only on the Egyptians. You ever read that? The boils, the frogs, the flies, and even the death of the firstborn. All of these plagues applied only to the Egyptians. And the Israelites, they're like, man, what's, what's so bad? Everything's cool, right? They didn't get no boils. They saw the Egyptians over there like, ha, ah, ha, ah, and, and they were like, fine, no, no big deal. The death of the, their, their cattle, right? All of their animals, they started dying off. But the, the animals that belong to God's people didn't affect them at all. I want to tell you, there are viruses that can infect people all around us. But when you are serving the Lord, when you are careful to hear His voice and do that which is right, then God says, I'll put a hedge of protection around you. I'll put a hedge, a supernatural barrier against the viruses of fear, panic, against the virus of false doctrine. And sexual impurity, I'll protect you. Deuteronomy 7, verse 15, the Lord will take away from you all sickness. You believe that's still true? 
That's not just speaking about physical sickness. That's not just speaking about skin disease. That's not just talking about flu and common cold. That is spiritual viruses too. 3 John verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you will prosper and be in health. Okay, so that's physical health. But then it says, even as your soul prospers. When Jesus says, your faith has made you whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole, that word whole in the Greek, it means body, mind, and spirit. God does, yes, He wants to heal your body. He, we pray for people well-being in their physical health. And we believe God to heal people. But you know, the, the, the end goal that God has for us is not just physical health. Body, mind, and soul. He wants to make you whole. Complete. And we know that in this life, we will not be perfectly whole. But one day, the, the work will be finished. How's your immunity this morning? Have you been infected? You know, the problem with infection, as we close, is that once you're infected, your immunity decreases to other diseases, too. You see somebody get all bitter? Well, guess what? Guess who's a target for fear? Guess who's a target for sexual immorality? Because once there's a, a single virus, then other viruses can find entry. You know, the Bible says that we must be wary of the devil who gains a foothold in our lives, a stronghold, an entry point. It reminds me of, of uh, in battlefield strategy. As the Marine Corps was going from island to island in the South Pacific, there was always a similar strategy to take an island. And what they would do, first of all, is they'd park a battleship a few miles offshore, and they would pound with artillery. Boom! Boom, for a few weeks. Boom. Every day, every night. Boom. Boom. Hopefully, killing off as many as they could. And after a few weeks, they would, they would send in the Marines a detachment to take a little piece of ground on the beach, right? And they would establish what they call a beachhead. And they would, they would put off some, some uh, walls and some barriers that would keep them safe right there on the beach. And from that beachhead, then they would begin launching attacks into the tunnels and into the places where the enemy couldn't be reached by the artillery. Little by little, their beachhead grew bigger, bigger, and in a few weeks' time, the Marines are successful, then they can plant the American flag like they did on Iwo Jima, right? Takes time, takes effort. Well, I want to tell you that strategy is the same strategy that the devil has for your soul. He wants a beachhead. He wants to find a place of weakness. And from that point of weakness, from that one infection, the enemy can begin to spread. You find yourself listening to worldly, nasty music. And all of a sudden, you're more susceptible to other diseases of the Spirit. All of a sudden, you're not interested in the things of God anymore. All of a sudden, church doesn't seem so important to you anymore. All of a sudden, you're more attracted by the things of the world there's an infection at work because the enemy has gained a stronghold. 
My call this morning, maybe you need another inoculation. What we need this morning is to be cleansed. James 4, verse 7, as we close, says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. How foolish would it be if you got all nasty sick, nose running, coughing, ears plugged up, lungs all filled with fluid. How foolish would it be for you to say, Doc, I need help, but I don't want any medicine. Doc, I need your help. I'm sick. I feel horrible. Oh, there's a fever. But don't you touch me. Get away from me, doctor. How foolish, how stupid you are. You're just going to get worse, aren't you? You realize there's a problem, but you don't want the cure. And yet, it happens in every church service. That the Lord shows us a virus, an infection that's at work in our hearts. And what do we do? I'm all right. Don't touch me. I'm good. I'll be fine. I don't want your help, Lord. I don't want to be free. I'd rather be sick. Is that you? How long will you be satisfied while a virus takes your heart, separates you from God? How long will you be okay? My call is submit to God. Resist the devil. Draw near to God. He draws near to you. Cleanse your hands. And purify your hearts. And we can be made well. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a few moments. In a season where the world is freaking out, and you watch, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm not saying the virus will get worse. I'm saying the spirit of panic is going to come to a peak. Businesses will begin to say, don't come in. Schools will shut down. And all of it for the remote possibility that a virus would infect. And all the while, spiritual viruses are infecting us every day. I've only spoken about a few of them this morning, the most prevalent ones that are in the Word of God, but there are many more. Just like how there are so many viruses out there in the world, there are ones that are more prevalent than others, but we have to be aware that there are so many different kinds of viruses. It's also true spiritually. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.